Shinzo Abe is Japan's longest-serving prime minister. He was also quite popular in Japan, consistently ranked as one of Japan's most popular PMs. Famous for his Abenomics, Japan's attempt at combating stagnation that has plagued Japan for more than two decades. The former prime minister comes from a long dynasty of politicians, dating back to the days of the samurai and the Japanese empire. His father Shintaro Abe served as foreign minister, and his grandfather and great-uncle were also prime ministers. Shinzo Abe, the cute, old, smiling Japanese man, is also quite a controversial figure. Despite his popularity, some critics have described him as a right-wing Japanese nationalist and even a fascist. During the Second World War, Japan was, if not fascist, flirting with fascism, and the government of that period led to some of the worst atrocities in human history, which Abe denies as fabrications. Japan had colonial rule over Korea and China, and is still battling these countries today over political wounds that refuse to heal due to Japan's denial of atrocities committed. Abe's views on the history of Japan have been the main thing his detractors like to harp on. For example, he denied that Japan forced women into sexual slavery during World War II, claiming that women in Japan's notorious brothels were there of their own volition. Japan was famous for its use of comfort women in the Second World War, most of whom were from Korea or China. He also claims the Japanese puppet state in China, Manchukuo, was not a puppet state. Manchukuo had a nominal Chinese emperor, Puyi, the last emperor of China. However, he had virtually no power and was ruled by a Japanese cabinet, which instituted mass slave labor, deportations, and crimes against humanity. Abe has also stated that Class A war criminals, or those who found themselves on the benches of the Tokyo War Crimes Tribunal, the Japanese version of the Nuremberg Trials, are not criminals under Japan's domestic law. Abe's maternal grandfather, Nobusuke Kishi, was a Class A war criminal, titled the de facto economic king of occupied China and Manchukuo. Nobusuke Kishi also had another name, the monster of the Showa era. Kishi was one of the top advisors to Hideki Tojo and was one of the signatures of the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor and declaration of war on the USA. Germany famously went through denazification where the Nazis that weren't hung or imprisoned were barred from running for political office. How could a man such as Kishi and his long-running political dynasty end up leading post-war Japan? Nobusuke Kishi was born into a family that was once an illustrious samurai family. His older brother, Ichiro Sato, would also achieve prominence, eventually becoming vice admiral in the Japanese Imperial Navy, and his younger brother, Isaku Sato, would eventually succeed him as prime minister. You might be curious why Nobusuke Kishi and his Sato brothers have different names. That is because Kishi was adopted by his father's older brother. You still might be questioning why his father's older brother had a different surname. I don't know, Japan is confusing. Go look it up on Wikipedia. Adult adoption is a dynamic tool for social and economic mobility, and in many cases is a way to extend a prestigious family's name, especially when they are unable to produce a male offspring in the heavily male-dominated culture of Japan. The newly named Kishi was brilliant. He passed the extremely difficult entrance exam to enter first high school Tokyo, the most prestigious high school in the country and then attended Tokyo's Imperial University, 
now the University of Tokyo, where he graduated from Faculty of Law in 1920 at the top of his class and with the highest grades in the university's history. Upon graduation, Kishi entered the Ministry of Commerce and Industry. This was an unusual choice because at the time, the most brilliant aspiring bureaucrats typically sought to enter the home ministry and eventually gain appointment as a prefecture governor. Some of Kishi's mentors even criticized his choice. In 1926 and 27, Kishi traveled around the world to study industry and industrial policy in various industrialized states around the world, such as the United States, Germany, and the Soviet Union. Kishi became obsessed with state-planned economies like that of the USSR. He would use this ideology for his next venture in Manchukuo. Manchukuo, or Chinese Manchuria, is the northeasternmost point of China that connects with Russia, North Korea, and Mongolia today. In 1931, the notorious Mukden incident happened. Allegedly a false flag operation set up by the Japanese military where a small amount of dynamite was exploded on a Japanese railway near Mukden. The Japanese then invaded Manchuria, aka Manchukuo, and set up a puppet state in the vast region of northeastern China. This puppet state would be a slave state of mass industrialization whose sole purpose was to supply Japan with the materials it needed to wage war. Kishi, who was openly touting the policies of Nazi Germany and called for policies of industrial rationalization to eliminate capitalist competition in support of state goals, caught the eye of the Japanese Kwantang army, who was ruling Manchukuo. In 1935, Kishi was given complete control of Manchukuo's economy by the military, with the authority to do whatever he liked, just as long as industrial growth increased, which it certainly did. Kishi has been described as the mastermind behind the industrial development of Japan's puppet state, Manchuria. He was the ultimate businessman and was very successful. His goal was to get the most profits possible for Manchukuo, which he did. He enacted a five-year plan based off the Soviet economic model, but he was also able to persuade the Japanese military to allow private investment, thereby having the best of both worlds. One of the new public-private corporations founded to assist in carrying out the five-year plan was the Manchuria Industrial Development Company, a corporate conglomerate established in 1937, which attracted a staggering 5.2 billion yen in private investment, making it by far the largest capital project in the Japanese empire. By comparison, the total annual budget of Japan's national government was 2.5 billion yen in 1937. The system that Kishi pioneered in Manchuria of a state-guided economy where corporations made their investments on government orders later served as the model for Japan's post-World War II development and subsequently that of South Korea and China as well. The Asian miracle, as it would later be known. Kishi lowered wages to maximize profit to an unthinkable level, even below survival standards. However, those who found themselves working for dirt-cheap wages were the lucky ones, as in 1937, war broke out with the remainder of China. Kishi signed a decree of forced conscription during, quote, times of emergency, end quote. Industry needed to grow at all costs while guaranteeing healthy profits for state and private investors. Starting in 1938 and continuing until 1945, about one million Chinese were taken every year to work as slaves in Manchukuo. The harsh conditions of Manchukuo were well illustrated by the Fushun coal mine, 
which at any given moment had about 40,000 men working as miners, of whom about 25,000 had to be replaced every year, as their predecessors had died due to poor working conditions and low living standards. Kishi was disgusted by the Chinese, referring to them as, quote, lawless bandits who were unable to rule themselves, end quote. He felt the Chinese were more akin to dogs than to human beings and would only understand brute force. Kishi always used the term Manshu to refer to Manshukuo instead of the Japanese Manshukoku, a Japanese difference in definition which reflected his viewpoint that Manchukuo was not actually a state, but rather just a region rich in resources and 34 million people to be used for Japan's benefit. In his later years, Kishi recalled how inhumane treatment of Chinese people had become naturalized among the Japanese colonial elite, turning human beings into, quote, mechanical instruments of the imperial army, non-human automatons, absolutely obedient, end quote, to their Japanese masters. Japan coined the term the Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere to describe an East Asia block of countries free from Western imperialism where all Asiatic peoples could embrace and support each other. In reality, this was a propagandistic farce. Manchukuo, for example, was a state labeled as home to the Manchus, Mongols, Han, Korean, and Japanese, among others. However, Kishi only associated with other Japanese in his time in the multi-ethnic, diverse state of Manchukuo. Kishi's dinner companions were fellow bureaucrats, businessmen seeking government contracts, army officers, and Yakuza gangsters. He used these gangsters to terrorize his Chinese workers into submission, and to ensure that there were no strikes caused by long hours, low pay, and poor working conditions. Kishi repeatedly expressed a disdain for Chinese people as impure and unclean, one of Kishi's closest friends and business partners, the Yakuza gangster Yoshio Kadoma, summed up his boss's thinking about the Chinese as follows, quote, We Japanese are like pure water in a bucket, different from the Chinese, who were like the filthy Yangtze River. But be careful, if even the smallest amount of shit gets in our bucket, we become totally polluted. Since all the toilets in China empty into the Yangtze, the Chinese are soiled forever. We, however, must maintain our purity, end quote. As a self-described playboy of the Eastern world, Kishi was known during his four years in Manchukuo for his lavish spending. Amid much drinking, gambling, and womanizing, Kishi spent almost all of his time in Manchukuo's capital, Hsinking, modern Changchung, China. With the exception of monthly trips to Dalian, on the world's famous Asia Express railroad line, where he indulged in his passion for women in alcohol and sex-drenched weekends. According to Driscoll, quote, Photographs and written descriptions of Kishi during this period never fail to depict a giddy exuberance, laughing and joking while doling out money during the day and looking forward to drinking and fornicating at night, end quote. Kishi was able to afford his hedonistic, free-spending lifestyle as he had control over millions of yen with virtually no oversight, alongside being deeply involved in and profiting from the opium trade. Before returning to Japan in October 1939, Kishi is reported to have advised his colleagues in the Manchukuo government about corruption. Quote, Political funds should be accepted only after they have passed through a filter and been cleansed. If a problem arises, the filter itself will then become the center of the affair, while the politician who has consumed the clean water will not be implicated. Political funds become the basis of corruption scandals, 
only when they have not been sufficiently filtered, end quote. Kishi, due to his five-year economic models, was blacklisted as a communist in the repressive empire of Japan. This label could have had him jailed or killed. He lost his job in 1940, but rose again when he caught the eye of Hideki Tojo, who enlisted him in his newly formed premiership. The two had worked closely together in Manchuria, and Tojo regarded Kishi as his protégé. Tojo was appointed prime minister in October 1941. Tojo is the most famous war criminal, held and later hung in the Tokyo War Tribunal. He was an ultra-nationalist who oversaw much of Japan's sexual enslavement of comfort women and extreme war crimes during the Second World War, including the infamous Unit 731. If you have read about the Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele and his disturbing experiments performed at Auschwitz, this is basically the Japanese version of it. Unit 731 was located in Manchukuo and routinely involved live human experimentation. Human subjects were referred to as logs and were experimented upon in some of the most barbaric ways. Reports include subjects being tied to logs and then having grenades thrown at them at certain distances to study the damage inflicted on their bodies. They also used different weapon types, including flamethrowers. Newly graduated surgeons from Japan would be sent to China to increase their experience so that they could better serve the Japanese army. They would perform numerous operations on live subjects, who after having limbs and body parts removed, would be shot. Some people were exposed to hypothermia and would have hot water thrown at them to see the effects of the human body and what it could endure. Most famously, disease injections were common. Patients would be infected and then dissected, alive, at different points in the infection so that the effects of the disease on their body could be observed. The program received generous support from the Japanese government until the end of the war in 1945. The government of Japan has mostly upheld the bizarre things that occurred in Unit 731. Most of what we know comes from testimonies of workers. One worker said, when he was contacted years later, quote, I don't want to think about Unit 731. Fifty years have passed since the war. Please, let me remain silent. End quote. As tensions arose between the United States and Japan over their constant warfare and brutality in China, the USA imposed more and more sanctions on the resource-dependent Japan. On July 26, 1941, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt seized all Japanese assets in the United States in retaliation for the Japanese occupation of French Indochina, which the Japanese occupied to prevent interference and weapons from entering China. Tojo's first move as Prime Minister was the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. On the 1st of December, 1941, Kishi voted in a cabinet for war with the United States and Britain and co-signed the Declaration of War, issued on December 7th, 1941. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. 
As the war turned against the Japanese, Tojo sought to consolidate his power, amassing more positions for himself in the government. Kishi was forced to take a demotion, which created a rift between the two men. Eventually, by 1944, Kishi became certain the war was unwinnable and that peace must be sought with the Americans. The American D-Day in the Pacific took place with the invasion of Saipan. This was the first time in the war fighting had taken place on Japanese home soil. Saipan was the most heavily fortified of the northern Mariana Islands. This was because Saipan held a strategically important airbase, which the Allies could use to bomb mainland Japan. After Saipan, Tojo's government began to collapse. He tried to save it by reorganizing his cabinet. Kishi refused the request to resign, telling Tojo he would only resign if the prime minister also resigned along with the entire cabinet, saying a partial reorganization was unacceptable. Despite Tojo's tears as he begged Kishi to help him save his government, Kishi was unmoved. Kishi's actions succeeded in bringing down Tojo's cabinet and led directly to Tojo's replacement as prime minister with General Kuniaka Kyoso. Battles like Saipan showed how brutal and fanatical the Japanese were. A study done for the Secretary of War, Henry Stimson's, staffed by William Stockley, estimated that invading Japan would cost between 1.7 to 4 million American casualties, including 400,000 to 800,000 fatalities, and 5 to 10 million Japanese fatalities. As the war in Europe was finishing and the war drew to a close, the newly ascended president, Harry S. Truman, decided to drop the atomic bomb on Japan to end the war. After the nuclear bombing, the god emperor, Hirohito, stepped in and for the first time ever addressed the people of Japan on radio. Speaking in an antiquated imperial style of Japanese that most in Japan couldn't understand, the people were very confused on what his address meant. This was intended as it could prevent the people from Japan from panicking or acting irrationally. What he did announce, Japan would surrender to the Allies and accepted whatever terms they would impose upon her. The Japanese Empire that stretched from China to Indonesia in the south, Japan would now become an Allied-occupied territory effectively ending the Second World War. Japan's adversary, the United States, would be its sole occupier. Nobusuke Kishi found himself alongside Hideki Tojo in Sugamo prison, awaiting trial for crimes against humanity. If you guys like the show, please leave me a comment or review on iTunes, on Spotify. I appreciate that. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram where I post. Uh, thank you so much to my Patreon supporters. Melina Leonard. Thank you so much to Johanna, Grimbot, Aaron Hansen, and Rick Winter. You guys are the reason this show continues. Thanks again.